Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm Amina Tuso. On this week's agenda, more election fallout, how we're coping, how we're reading the news now, and how we're all dealing with anxiety and hopelessness. How you doing? <laughs> I am doing okay. Having a little bit of technical difficulties, but you know, adjusting. I um, I think I said this to you earlier this week, but I've been thinking a lot and feeling very appreciative of the sort of minor daily struggles of my life. The things that are ultimately really meaningless as a distraction <laughs> slash like concrete thing I feel like I can fix. I'm like going on a big trip soon and I'm like obsessed with packing or like solving a technical issue related to this podcast like weirdly I've become so grateful for those tiny problems I've been binge watching so much like tv and movies I just like hadn't been consuming entertainment for a while except for you know my my steady diet of daily mail but it's like I'm actually like watching tv shows and movies the other day but you could tell that like I'm a little depressed because I'll sit through like seven episodes in a row and I'm like this is not normal (laughs) Yeah, no, that's like, you know, what you do when you have food poisoning or the flu or a Trump presidency. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah, It's like I watched season three of The Fall in one sitting. Like I had no idea it was even back. And I was like, this is weirdly really comforting, even though it's about a serial killer. I just I know that a lot of people are find sort of comfort in all manner of murder TV. <laughs> like I just like can't like like this is my like goes back to my like weirdness about law and order and stuff. But I 100% am very happy to hear that it is like doing you right. Yeah, I mean, law and order is a joke compared to real serial killer TV, you know. Right. I was afraid to go to the bathroom like three times in a row. I was like, this, like, this is real. I mean, <laughs> even, though, even though the guy was in custody, you take your entertainment where wherever you can. I like went to watch Arrival this weekend, which was really kind of devastating. I watched Moonlight for the fourth time. It's like, even though I'm really sad, it's helping my brain process a bunch of things. And so that's been weirdly good. I'm reading books again. You know how we joke that I like don't read fiction. Uh, Fiction has been very important to your 2016, I feel. Yeah, like 100% escapism, right? Mm -hmm. Except that I'm reading Sinclair Lewis, It Can't Happen Here. Okay, so not escapism. Yeah, so that's like definitely not escapism, right? Like that was too real and I had to stop. Somehow everything is easier than like reading NewYorkTimes.com. My sort of sense of like duty and like, let's be real, like professional responsibility to be actually clued into the news has been so challenged right now. Like trying to make it past paragraph three of any current political news that is less about opposition organizing and more about like this is sort of the political machinations that are happening in Washington right now has been unbearable. Yeah, it's also like I'm kind of at the point where, you know, like not to turn into like this conspiracy theorist, but I was telling you this the other day on the phone. It's really hard to kind of like trust these news outlets that just like didn't see Trump coming. And now they're like reporting on the transition. And I'm like, why should I trust you? 
you got everything wrong so far. All of your like analysis and punditry was not real. You have the exact same kind of sourcing. So it's really hard for me to be like, yes, all of this like speculative stuff like seems like it could be real. I'm more in a let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean I'm turning into a conspiracy theorist. 100%. I mean, who knew that that conversation would prove so prophetic? <laughs> like people who have been wronged by institutions and systems like turning to conspiracy theorists it's like I've always been very skeptical of the even like possibility that there can be a like quote-unquote objective press but like it has never been more infuriating to listen to NPR or to read the New York Times as it's trying to be measured in this moment or like nonpartisan. some of the headlines about how open proud white nationalist Steve Bannon is described for example it's like still doing the like some say he might be a racist and it's like no no like this is like a a word with a definition that you as a reporter should be able to use right now even if you're claiming it's not even some say they're like critics say you know oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) like it's a criticism of him that it's a white that he's a white nationalist I'm like no no white nationalists say he's a white nationalist right and also saying critics say implies that like only critics believe that when like he and his supporters believe it too you know I mean and so I think for me it's less about failures of coverage during the election although that plays a role and it's more about skepticism of like how quickly air quote objectivity turns into just like its own form of misleading coverage like it's really bad yeah i'm just not there yet i'm happy to see that there's been a surge like all these newspapers are reporting that there's like a surge of people subscribing to them and people really want to support the open and free press which we all should but it is a really tough pill to swallow right now i'm just like you know because i think that for me at least like part of my anxiety about um about the situation right now is that we just don't have enough information you know it's like one day he says one thing and then the next day he's like no no it's fine no that's not what i'm gonna do and when i finally identified that for myself it weirdly made me feel a little bit better you know in the sense where i was like i'm freaking out about the uncertainty and this is not to say that like it's gonna turn out to be like a great four years no it's just that i just don't know where to channel both my anxiety and my rage And lack of information has so much to do with that. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So as much as I can, I will try to calm down right now and really just like figure out like what the, like what the deal is. Yeah. um, I don't know. I've also been like taking some comfort in when, I am feeling particularly shitty about things, like taking the opportunity to express my love and gratitude to people in my life who are sort of feeling the same way. And like, and you know, and that looks like a lot of different things. But like the other day I was, I was just getting so angry and I was like home alone and just like spiraling. And I went out and bought a friend of mine a birthday present. And I know, I know like probably this has something to do with like capitalism too, but like weirdly it was like that act of like, I'm going to do a small thing for a person I know that was a great little catalyst to kind of pull me out of that immediate. No, absolutely. Leaving the house has been so instrumental. Like I went on like a little hike the other day and I was like, Oh, a friend like emailed me that like she had gone on a hike with another friend and she was like, it was really helpful. So I was like, I will do this today. 
And it's like, who knew just like getting out of the house and getting fresh air make you feel better? And I was like, yeah, I've been wearing the same sweatpants for four days. That's also probably why I feel bad right now. It's true. Although, I mean, I, I have taken to heart a lot of, I mean, you, I, I think you posted this pretty much everywhere, which is like the whole like take a shower, eat a meal, take your meds and then reassess. And like that has been very, very helpful for me in a lot of situations in the past week. Yeah, I made myself a little checklist every morning because I've been having like just serious anxiety every morning. And so for me, that's just been really it sounds really dumb and it's like the kind of stuff that like people joke about when they talk about like you know like liberal coddling but i'm like it literally says like wash your face brush your teeth eat breakfast because when the dread sets in all of those things just feel so unsurmountable i mean it's not liberal coddling it's the literal pyramid of needs (laughs) yeah it's true the other thing too that's been really good is that friend of the podcast Catherine andrews wrote this like really good thing on medium about um she manages like a team of uh young women Catherine's a boss i used to work with her she's great and she manages like a lot of young women so she wrote this thing about how can you help your employees like kind of understand like what is going on and one of the points that she made was about working out Catherine is like the most like sick fit person i know where Like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know where you find the energy. (laughs) And not sometimes, all the time. I'm like, where the fuck do you find all of this energy? Her, like, rationale for it was about how, like, you want your body to be, like, a fine-tuned Ferrari for the war that you're going into. And so I joined this, like, boxing class this week. And honestly, I will say kicking things has been so fun. (laughs) I love that. That's, like, the only thing that is bringing me joy right now. Also, who knew I had such weak punches? (laughs) I'm shocked to hear that. Oh, my God. No, I'm not shocked to hear that I have really shitty upper body strength. But, you know, like, whenever you go to the rage place and you're like, I could punch someone right now. Turns out I could not punch a baby if I wanted to. So... I'm working on that. My rage phase is kind of like T-Rex flailing in the wind. Like that's kind of how I... Totally. Yeah, that's what it looks like. like. Oh oh my God, such a big lady, such weak ass punches. But like that has been really good. And it's funny because the studio that I went to, I ran into two other women that I like kind of casually know. And to see that that was their release also, you know, it was like a very good like head nod wink moment. Yes, like I need to find better ways to channel this than like eating C's candies like all day. I love the idea that one of the unforeseen outcomes of this election was like a legion of buff women. <laughs> Just like super built, like like taking over weight rooms and gyms across America, like yeah, just getting so I know. so fit. It's it's so funny. It's like just like ladies getting swole. We're gonna post <laughs> on the website some like swole women like resources. Yeah. About how to be like a swole lady. Did you ever watch Tom and Jerry? Like every once in a while there's like a swole mouse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, that's what we're going to become. Oh my God, you're killing me. I'm like, I'm so angry, but I'm going to be so fit. You know, next time we go protest, like it's on. Um, I know, it's it's like, so ridiculous. 100%, like very muscular pussy grabs back. Like that sort of. (sighs) Totally. You know, but like at the same time, it's like, I have other friends who are like really struggling. The fog isn't lifting. Hang in there and like, Take it one day at a time. And when you're ready to rejoin society, not wearing your sweatpants, like we will be here. But it's just like, it's tough. And the only thing for me, like one of the things that is definitely getting me through this is just like friends checking in on me. 
just keep doing the chain like reach out to your people even if they're not reaching back out yeah and and also that like whole i mean weirdly it has that effect too of like if if you are feeling shitty doing the reach out to someone else has this positive effect both ways it's like how many times have i sent that check-in text which has just turned into a really long conversation and like there is so much good community building too i mean yes like action and all of that but like first and foremost community yeah yeah we're just let's just let's just get swole together yes like angry and swole this is it's gonna be hilarious do you (laughs) yes exactly like and and also like it's just such a great like sometimes when there's like a literal manifestation like a physical manifestation of a feeling you want to feel like i can't say enough how much i love the image of like physically buff women even if like you can't tell by looking looking at all of them you know just the idea that like we can all lift (laughs) i just love that totally you're just like i'm strong in my body and i'm strong in my mind you know totally oh woof it's gonna be a long four years Mm -hmm. the marathon Uh, (laughs) marathon what else are we talking about today do you want to maybe take some questions because i have to say like our inbox right now is an outpouring of first of all lots of affection so thank you for that everyone you guys sent us the nicest emails but also um lots of anxiety and questioning so maybe maybe we could read some email yeah i loved all of the mail that we're getting from people outside of the country like that was really comforting to me (laughs) like oh we are not the only ones living our national nightmare so thanks for just checking in and telling us what's up (laughs) oh my god totally so appreciated yes okay do you want to read the first one sure all right it says thank you for being a consistent source of light in the dark and reminding me that i'm not crazy Second, after the shit show that is the president-elect and who he has chosen to run the new swamp and talk of fake news sources, what or who do you recommend for legit news sources with legit journalists and places to access actual facts? Yo. We kind of already answered this question. (laughs) (laughs) I already told you I'm a conspiracy theorist, so this is a tough one. I renewed my New York Times subscription, my Washington Post subscription, my New Yorker subscription, even though... I take a lot of issue with like some of the coverage, but I think it's important to support like for me, at least like those are three places where people that I trust and that I like, right. I'm like subscribing for the first time to ProPublica because they wrote some like really great stories during the election. And, you know, it's like nonprofit journalism somehow makes me feel a little better. I can't put my finger on why specifically, but, you know, it's like, oh, thank you for putting your resources into actual reporting. Yeah, I, I was I think that for me, it's interesting thinking about how there are definitely sources that I mean, and you named many of them who are who are invested in doing reporting. And I think it's important to read and support them. But I also think that even more important than that, you can ask questions as you're reading something, even if the source is something like The New York Times, which is totally mm-hmm. reputable and, and do and trying to report with accuracy and I think you know like we were saying earlier almost like a alarming degree of like air quote fairness you can ask questions you can say who am I not hearing from in this article like you know if you if it's you know I think that that is one of the most important questions you can ask yourself like okay so this is ostensibly about how people are feeling after the election like who's really quoted here who am I really hearing from what sorts of experts am I hearing from like totally and And it's like is this new source trading access to give people anonymity you know and how much you can push back against that and 
And just be more of a critical reader of your paper always. Yeah. And I think that like to that point, when we were talking about Steve Bannon earlier, you know, I mean, you can engage, you can sort of say, okay, so this news source I'm reading says critics call him a white supremacist. But then in the article, it says that he wrote all these articles that have a white supremacist point of view or published them. And so, huh, does that make critics say he's a white supremacist or like, should it just say white supremacist? I mean, I think there's like a whole skill set involved in being a critical reader and, and thinking about how the news that, that gets to you is constructed. I mean, and like, and a good tell, and I think that like this, I want to echo Amina's point still about like subscribing to places that are doing real reporting, but like, you know, you can read and say like, did this writer call people? Did this writer go somewhere and, and report something firsthand? Or is this more like piggybacking off of something else? You're a critical smart reader. (laughs) And I think that like, you know, being active about that. Yeah. Totally. It's like you can't abdicate like uh, reading and interpretation of what you read to just the paper. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Even it's like just think about all of the insane reporting that came out like before, during and after the Iraq war. Everybody should be ashamed of themselves. That just seems like a decade ago. So it's like we've almost all forgotten. But it's like, no, really important news sources like got a lot of stuff wrong that had really dire consequences. For sure. And I was also going to recommend adding one or two international news sources to your diet as well, which is less sort of an immediate concern, I think, right now in terms of election fallout, because sometimes when I consume like UK Channel 4 News analysis of what's what happened in the US election. I'm like, oh my God, I like banging my head against a wall. I can't handle this. You know, but like in terms of continuing to engage with the world and like being aware of like how the things that this presidency is doing are having effects beyond America. I think that that is really important too. So just like add it to your your browser or wherever you're like clicking on, like these are my sources. Like one thing. Yeah. Another thing that I will add to is that you should add... And if you can support one local news source, yes. because those stories will hit closer to home for you and honestly will have more political repercussions a lot of times than national stories. I really hope that like that doesn't get lost in the mix. And there are places that just do incredible work that are going to need our support. But I think that in terms of like constant vigilance, you should be reading like your local paper, your local investigative reporters, your like you need to get on top of that. Yeah, like can you say who's covering the state house in your state? Like I think that that's one of those things. It's never sexy to read about state level legislation or what's happening, but like this but that's election where it all starts. Totally. And this election was like very very devastating on a state level. I mean, I know we're talking a lot like we are guilty of this as much as anyone of talking a lot about like the presidency, but like truthfully the thing that's going to make the biggest difference beyond four years from now and in the real long term is that pipeline and states and like districts. And so if you can't name all your elected officials all the way up the line, maybe you should start reading state level news immediately. (laughs) Yeah. You know, another thing, and this is going back to just like how social media has fueled so much like misinformation. I think that this is like one thing where we're all going to have to hold hands on this, right? Before you share an article one rule, like cardinal rule, is that you should actually read it. You should actually read beyond the headline, like what it says. You should read the byline to see who wrote it and when it was written. Are you sharing something that is now? Are you sharing it out of outrage? This is a place where we can all police ourselves. Especially this week, it has been maddening to see everybody just like panic sharing all sorts of stuff. It's true. It's like there's definitely the like the fake news mills in Macedonia 
God bless. That's how they're supplementing their GDP. Like that shit is real. (laughs) But if you are going to be a critical reader and you are going to learn about this stuff, everybody needs to take a beat before you share anything. Right. We live in this like terrible algorithm based world and it's really easy and sexy to just like look at headlines and like sigh about them and and move on. Mm -hmm. But you really should take some time and see like, am I contributing to this onslaught of like garbage news? Because sometimes we do accidentally. Yeah. And if you you want more people to be reading quality news, like asking questions about what you're sharing and why and when, like, I mean, same thing. It's like the critical reading is yes, but then also, yeah, like critical sharing is the total flip side. Yeah. Critical and critical sharing means that you have to read all the way to the end. You need to know like when it was written. You need to know who it was written by. You need to know whether it's an opinion piece or it's like actual reporting. But you don't have to read the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, that's the kind of shit that they don't teach you in school. Like nobody teaches you how to read the newspaper. Right. Like, which is a real shame. That should like media literacy should be so part of high school and beyond curriculum, you know, but this is a place where you can just like learn on your own and we're like all going to hold hands and make it better. Totally. Also, like, don't be afraid to engage with your, like, newspaper people. I love writing the public editor at the Times. And even if they don't publish your note, they always follow up with you because that stuff is important to them. It's their job. (laughs) God, so much homework. So much homework. And also think about, like, how much impact you can have as a critical reader, too. And you know what? Like, those people have to answer the phone, too. Like, if you pick up the phone and you're like, huh, I noticed that you're only quoting white men in your articles about what a Trump presidency is going to mean to, like, our city or our town or whatever. Like, it's like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. So this is, like, a real check as well on reporters and editors to be like, someone else is paying attention. Totally. Or I'm noticing that like all of your sources for this story were anonymous, you know, like what does that mean? And like, how do we trust that? Like that it was necessary to do that. Right. Explain yourselves. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's literally the job of media is to explain themselves in the clearest terms possible. Oof. Here's another question that we have from somebody who um, says that they're an activist. Okay. In the past, I've given up on a lot of politically involved or activist things I've done, calling, letter writing, donating, protesting, because I never felt like I was really helping. This is tied to my own lack of self-esteem and fear of screwing up. The same thing that made me approach every day of work and school certain I'm about to fail or get fired. Combine that with the fact that I just finished graduate school in a field where work-life balance does not exist and you get a person who's prioritized work over most other things, including activism, without meaning to. I also have social anxiety, which makes it hard for me to connect with strangers and sometimes even my friends. Most models of activism I have seen hinge on connecting with strangers, either because you're trying to convince them to change their minds or because you're creating a community with like-minded people. On the one hand, my anxiety issues are motivation to do more. Anxiety 
already feels awful physically and mentally. And I hate that there are and have been people who have been made to feel the same way. I do not because of their brain chemistry, but because they're unsafe in this country. On the other hand, it makes me less helpful to others. Therapy has helped me in general, but not in figuring out how to put activism higher on my priority list than workaholism. Most of the progress I've made in terms of social anxiety has been in talking to the people who are willing to put up with my anxiety rather than the people who need to have their prejudiced views challenged or people who are justifiably upset with white women and shouldn't need to accommodate me. Over the past week, I've been trying to go to rallies, donate to nonprofits that are gearing up to oppose Putin's best friend of me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making me laugh. Very few things have made me laugh. But this was this was sweet. Check on my friends and neighbors, etc. But I've tried. I've tried so far. This past week and previously has not been working very well, and I'm still a mess. Basically, I want to know if you have any advice for being a better activist while dealing with anxiety slash self-esteem issues in a way that doesn't burden people who have more at risk than I do. Oof. This is a really thoughtful and tough question. It's not just like, hey, tell me three things I can do. I want to be active and I don't know how to use Google, which is an email that I have received personally and we've received at CYG a bunch. I don't know. I also appreciate the acknowledgement of how hard it can be to do this work separate from, you know, sort of having these anxiety issues to deal with. But like the feeling that like it's not making a difference is something that I relate to a lot or like that. Like, what is this really going to do anyway? Question. This tough. It's it's really tough. And there are a lot of like different levels of things that are happening here. Right. Like. So maybe we can address them like one by one. <laughs> and so like to the first thing, like the anxiety thing, that is something that I relate to like a lot. You know, I think that on one level for people who just deal with like lifelong ambient anxiety, you have to get treatment for it. There's not a ton that works, but it's something that you have to do. And it's not to say that it's easy or that it goes away, but you know, like we all have to live in society somehow and like not freak out all of the time. If you add the combination of self-esteem issues and anxiety, it's really easy to feel like you're not making a difference and that you're burdening people because that's like literally what the anxiety is telling you and the self-esteem is telling you at the same time. You have to be like strong in your body and your head before you can be really helpful to other people. You know, it's like that Audre Lorde quote, self-care is an, it's like a political act. So if that's where you have to start, like there's no shame in that. If you go to therapy, which this person says that she does, I would suggest talking to your therapist about CBT therapy and seeing if that is something that is helpful to you in treating anxiety to the question of like, are you making a difference? Doing something is better than not doing anything at all. So like, of course you're making a difference. There is, for a lot of people, there's also like a warped feeling of like, you know, like what it exactly means to be an activist and how like on the front lines do you have to be and how much you have to participate. It's like if being around people is draining to you and that's hard, it's like, then how can you support other activist work who do that? Somebody has to organize. Somebody has to be the person who keeps train the trains running. Somebody has to be the person who collects all the donations. All of that works in tandem with each other. You don't have to be someone like wearing a protest sign in the middle of the march, like talking to someone with a bullhorn to be an activist. 
Totally. And I, you know, one of, a, one of the really good models I've seen for an organizing group offering people with like different skills and needs and um, issues a way to plug in is that the surge showing up for racial justice group in Los Angeles, which is an allied group with the movement for black lives that is, you know, a space where white people can sort of engage <laughs> and ask questions and be in a support role, like show up but be in a support role, is really, really great about saying like okay today the need is drive these donations to this specific site or like the need today is show up with your body at this place I I can look at that email and be like okay what do I have the capacity for this week what is a match with my skill set and I don't think that like every group is that organized and I don't think that it's realistic to think that every person who wants to be active can just sign up for a listserv and get those options delivered to them. Though if you do live in Los Angeles, I highly recommend uh, the surge list for that. But I do think that that is like a good question to ask, right? So like if you do know someone who is showing up to physically protest or is planning something, you know, maybe it's like an organizing retreat or something that feels like you don't want to be a part of that for personal reasons. You can say like, can I support you with like food? (laughs) Can I bring you something to eat? Can I help you find a place to meet and research on the back end? Like, you know, there's actually spreadsheet people so useful to the movement. Like not everyone is a spreadsheet person. And so I do think that like asking a specific question you know, specific questions like that of people who are leaders in in sort of ways that you want to plug in is good. And not just the general like, hi, how can I help you? But like saying, these are things I would like to offer. Can you use them? I think that that is helpful to people who are organizing for sure. Yeah, you know, and I think this thing that you said too about like being part of an actual group, that's the thing. It's not like you can't just be like, I'm an activist and then you're out here on your own. That's going to be tough for like both community purposes and accountability purposes and tracking purposes. If you're a part of an actual organized group, like you know what your contribution brings to the table and you know that like the more people that you have, the better it is there's days where people just feel like shit and you don't think that like you're making a difference, but there's how you feel and there's the actual truth. And the truth is that like by being there, you are making a difference, you know, also like, I don't know, justice work takes a long time. I think that that's, that's kind of a thing. I've been feeling really just like young and naive, like in the aftermath of this election, young people are always hopeful and we're just like, if I make enough noise or I like give enough money or whatever, like things will change. But I think that if you start looking at a lot of historical, like social justice movement and seeing how long it actually takes to do things, even people who do incredible work can watch all of it get dismantled by the ushering in of a new kind of regime. It's going to be a constant struggle. You don't just like win and then, you know, and then you're like rest on your laurels and you're like, next issue, please. It's like, no, we are constantly waging a war on like 10,000 fronts. On some level, like that is really discouraging. But on another level, it's also a little comforting because you know that it just, it takes time and more, most likely it will maybe take your whole life. Yeah. And asking questions about, oh, what is this really going to do? And those kind of thoughts that creep in really easily when, you know, you are in a period of like opposition and organizing and rebuilding. Like, I think it's also important to recognize that that is something everybody feels like, you know, getting past that feeling of like, this won't make a difference is 
I mean, I don't, I don't know that anyone who's taken any action ever hasn't had to get past that. Um, yeah. You know, the I, world um, is set up to be self-perpetuating. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you're, no, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. This weekend I rewatched how to survive a plague. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Really just like depressing documentaries, which is about AIDS activism. Everybody probably has a lot to learn from AIDS activists. It's the way that, they just really put their lives on the line and and so many people died, you know, like hearing from these people who are like, all of my friends died and we're still here and seeing how long it took for them to actually get things done and how long it took for the country to like move forward in the face of just presidents being awful about like AIDS policy in general. And that's a really good, yeah, example. Read a lot about like some historical movements and see where like that nets you collectively and just yeah it's like on one hand like deal with your own shit and you know like self-esteem issues and anxiety are real and they will affect you in a lot of areas of your life and really like they're a thief of joy you know in the sense that they make you feel like you have nothing to give and that's just a that's just a lie such a lie that work this work takes a long time and some of us are going to have to live with the fact that like some of the things that you want to happen, you might not be alive for, but uh, you know, as MLK says, the arc of history bends towards justice. So you keep hope, but you cannot take it personally if justice does not come in your time. But the thing about that quote too, that like, I always want to add to it. Like, and I can't even believe I'm about to be like, like a PS to MLK, but like, it, <laughs> but it's not just, it's, it, I, I, I always hated that that quote is phrased in terms of passive voice. Like the arc bends. It's like, no, we have to bend the arc. Like, it's not like the arc no, of history obviously. just naturally bends. I know, but I don't think that's obvious to a lot of people. Like people say that quote in terms of like, I hear it a lot in the context of, of gay rights particularly, but like in a lot of areas, like, you know, I, I, I think that like that quote is seen differently maybe by people who are more marginalized versus people people who are less marginalized and I think that sometimes it's used as an excuse for it's all gonna go it's well it's just eventually. gonna happen yeah and I just like oh I just, no yeah. and I, I mean, know that's not how you mean it for sure I'm just like that just kind of touched a button that I felt as I've seen it circulated like recently yeah it's like, I mean yeah you know not to be this person but like lazy people say that so and like that. <laughs> and and here you have somebody who is like really thoughtful and concerned about kind of their place in it's like your place in the world and your place in like making the world a better place. Right. And is not lazy. And is not lazy, you know, but I think that like one thing that we are all naive about is just, especially like people our age is that you think that like, if you work hard, you will be rewarded. And you know, that's kind of the promise of like millennial America, but some things we really are just laying the foundation for. It's like the hope that it will be better for other generations it might be really awful for us but if we don't do something about it those next generations don't stand a fighting chance right and getting comfortable with like maybe the work is the reward like all all you get for the work is the ability to say like i tried really hard for something that i believe in and i tried really hard for these people that i care about and like that is what you get to say it's not like it feels great to think that things are moving so slowly you might never see progress or that like it all feels so tiny and incremental. But like I, I take a lot of comfort in, and this is probably personality driven too, the feeling of like, I really did what I could. Yeah. You know, and there's also for me, this feeling of like, even though I've been like racked by like terrible anxiety dreams and just awful panic attacks, 
is just knowing that I feel good about my ethics, you know, and I feel good about the kind of life that I want to lead and how I want to love my friends and love my community and love my neighbors. And I could not live with myself if I didn't hold certain of the beliefs that I did and like fought for them. And I think that there is also some of it is that too. It's just like, God, can you like really live in the mirror with like being a passive person during this kind of time? And some people can, and it's like, God bless other people can't and you have to protect the like values that you care about oh (laughs) sorry i'm just sitting with that for a minute it's gonna be okay thanks listener yeah hopefully you feel better and i'm not kidding it's like if you go to therapy and talk to your therapist about uh cbt therapy might could change your life oh my god do it You can find us many, many places on the internet, including our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download this podcast anywhere you like to get your favorite podcasts. Um, If you use iTunes, we would love a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf. Send us an email at callyrgf at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, look it up yourself, or on Instagram, callyrgf. You can even leave us a voicemail, which we love voicemails at 714-681-2943 that's 714-681-CYGF this podcast is produced by Gina Delbeck see you on the internet boo boo see you on the internet